Hi everyone, Dave here. Before starting the show, I wanted to make a fun announcement. I've just released the very first Psychology in 10 Minutes book. That's right, your favorite podcast is now in book form, featuring 23 of the best Psych in 10 episodes, slightly augmented and revised, plus seven more you've never heard before. Just like on the show, in each bite-sized chapter, I explore the real science of psychology, relationships, and life hacks. It's meant for avid listeners as well as newcomers. So get a copy for yourself or a friend. In fact, I dare say it makes a great holiday gift, particularly for that special someone who is fascinated by psychology, and really, who isn't, but just isn't a podcast person. You can get yours now at a special holiday price, $11.99 for a paperback or $8.99 for your Kindle, phone, or tablet. Rest assured, it's also one of the best ways to support the show. Get yours today on Amazon.com. Just search for Psychology in 10 Minutes, which is also cleverly the title of the book, or by visiting book.psychologyin10minutes.com. That's book.psychologyin10minutes.com. Now on with the show. Finding Meaning and Satisfaction as We Age You're listening to Psychology in 10 Minutes. I'm David B. Feldman. As we approach the holidays, I've been thinking a lot about the people in my life. Many of them are now in their 60s and 70s, yet hardly seem like they're getting older. They've been able to find lots of meaning, purpose, and fulfillment in their lives. And as a 47-year-old, that's led me to wonder what their secret is, particularly as they've grown and changed throughout their lives. I only hope I can age with as much grace and passion. Today, people of the so-called baby boomer generation, those born between 1946 and 1964, make up about a fifth of the U.S. population. Now in their 60s and 70s, this is the generation that once warned don't trust anyone over 30. And it continues to be a generation that thinks about age in an unprecedented way. Because of advancements in modern medical technology, according to the CDC in the United States, it's certainly not unusual for people to live into their 80s and even 90s. This is a dramatic shift from only about 100 years ago, when life expectancy was only in the upper 50s. This marvelous development has created new opportunities as well as new challenges for how we think about how we grow and change as human beings. In the 1950s, well-known psychologist Eric Erickson created one of the best-known theories of how people change over the lifespan, his psychosocial stages of development. But many people are surprised to find out that his original theory specified that the final phase of life began at age 55. It was even a convention among some psychologists to call this stage old age. Today, very few people would consider 55 to be old. In fact, many wouldn't even consider the 60s or 70s to be quote-unquote old age. That's because people are living more vibrantly and more actively than ever before. 
This has given rise to a brand new stage of life, variably called the second middle age, the new middle age, or the second adulthood. Psychologist Gerald Lee Shapiro, in his book Finding Meaning, Facing Fears, calls this period of life the autumn years. Like autumn, it can be a colorful time filled with great beauty. But also like autumn, it can make us think about the passage of time and can sometimes be tinged with a sense of loss. Unlike other stages, however, this phase of life is still relatively uncharted, at least by psychologists. It's not that role models aren't available, of course. This generation includes Bill Gates, Samuel L. Jackson, Madonna, Whoopi Goldberg, and Barack Obama, among others. The real difficulty is that all these people approach this period of life in dramatically different ways. Shapiro wanted to find out if there were any common threads in how people navigated this stage. As a result, he conducted a series of in-depth interviews with people across the U.S. in the midst of their second middle age. According to Shapiro's findings, even given their great differences, people who find the most meaning and happiness in this stage may have at least one thing in common. They shift how they think about time. Throughout early and middle adulthood, people often consider time a resource to be used to build their futures. People sometimes speak about investing time in endeavors that may yield outcomes later on. In people's younger years, there's an advantage for putting off rewards and constantly building to the future. But Shapiro discovered from his interviewees that finding meaning and happiness in the autumn years often requires a shift away from seeing time as a commodity to be invested, instead viewing it as a resource to be used here and now. Although Shapiro's interviewees realized that many wonderful experiences still awaited them, they also understood that time was not unlimited, and therefore must be relished. As Shapiro writes in his book, quote, Once we leave midlife and enter our autumn years, it is a time to refocus from building our tomorrows to savoring the moments of our present. Unquote. But this transition isn't easy. Many pragmatic and financial obstacles can hamper making the shift to living in the moment. Far too many to address here. Because of financial inequities in our society and our economically challenging times, people often haven't been able to save enough money and even may be responsible for caring for others, like ailing parents, in addition to caring for themselves. For many of his interviewees, however, there also was a significant psychological challenge. Shoulds. Many of us have these. We believe we should always work our hardest, should do things perfectly, should be liked by everyone, or should always be caretakers for others. Shapiro explains that sometimes our shoulds provide us with a marvelous moral compass that guides our lives in important and helpful ways. But other times, our shoulds can get in our way. That's because many of these shoulds were developed when people were young and were meant for a different era of our lives. Shapiro suggests bravely examining 
which of these shoulds are holding us back from embracing life in the present, possibly being willing to let some of them go. He recommends considering a powerful, if slightly morbid, question. If you only had a year to live, how would you spend it? As he writes in his book, quote, It's a rare person who, faced with the end of life, says she would opt to spend the remaining time on chores or other demands. Unquote. And maybe that's the most important lesson we all can learn from Shapiro's interviewees. Not to forget about our own important needs and desires. Even while we attend to the many necessary tasks of our daily lives, we shouldn't lose ourselves in the process. It's cliche, but also profoundly true. We only live once. While this realization may be especially important for people in the final third of their lives, it's safe to say that any of us can benefit from it. Whether we're in our second middle age or still far from our first one, this simple insight may help all of us not merely live longer, but live better. And that was Psychology in 10 Minutes. Thanks for listening.